This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace, offering everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. Extensive options, ease of selection, and flexibility at your fingertips help make sure your time is wonderfully spent. Viator is the place to go to book experiences that will create long-lasting moments that make lifetime memories. And Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences to choose from in over 190 countries. In in fact, just last year, Viator helped my family put together this amazing adventure on the island of Kona. Swimming with the manta rays, trying to avoid the barracudas, whatever your wildest dreams. If you can imagine it, Viator probably has an experience just for you. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in Viator's world of wonderful experiences. Viator. One site, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Store 64 is an independent family business run by lifelong West Ham fans, providing hammers with uniquely inspired designs, specifically designed to pay homage to the rich heritage and traditions of the original British subculture Terry Styles. As customers of Store 64, both myself and X can vouch for the fantastic designs and amazing quality of Store 64's range. Check them out for yourselves on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter or online at www.store64clothing.co.uk and use the promo code The West Ham Way to receive a whopping and exclusive 25% discount off your order. You're listening to The West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. We're still unbeaten after three games, but it was an opportunity wasted against a struggling Crystal Palace on Saturday. It's a result that has put question marks over Fabianski and Dawson. Is that fair? If so, is it the right time for new signings Ariola and Zuma to take their place? We'll talk about the Europa League draw, our first pre-match event in over 18 months, and the Premier League predictions competition before getting a news roundup from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. I don't think there was a single West Ham fan that didn't fancy a win against Palace on Saturday, but we had to settle for the draw. What did you make of the performance? It's just a typical West Ham scenario, wasn't it? Whenever you expect West Ham to do something, it doesn't happen. And whenever you don't, it does. So it's like typical West Ham. I mean, really going into that game with Palace's form and our form, you would have thought that we would have got the result. But I think Palace set up well, in fairness to them, to kind of frustrate us and nullify our options and our attacking threat. Um, And they did that. And yes, we still scored two goals, but they managed to stop other chances. Um, and then a couple of dodgy moments at the back allowed them to get two goals. And probably if I'm being um, di- not diplomatic, if I'm being balanced, probably if I'm being balanced, a, a draw was a fair result. I mean, you could argue that West Ham probably edged it, but it, it was, I would say a draw was a fair result. And, and annoyingly, it was that. But as I said, at the end of the day, 
seven points in the first three games. I would have taken that. So we're just going to hope that it's a blip, but it's not a minor, bl- uh, not a huge blip. We've still got two, uh, one point, sorry. Um, so hopefully we'll, um, yeah, we'll just kick on a- back to how we were against Southampton. Mm-hmm. But it did show to me the lack of squad depth, the mm-hmm. lack of, we we clearly needed the centre-backs. I thought um, the defence again was dodgy. Um, and we clearly need attacking options. You know, brought on Lanzini and Yarmolenko. And other than Yarmolenko, cutting on his left foot and blazing it over, knee, I could barely remember Lanzini touching the ball. Neither of them had the impact off the bench. So, yeah, it just showed to me the lack of squad depth again. Yeah. And on Patreon, our very own Dan Wofford and highlighted Gallagher as their biggest threat. And he was spot on because the Chelsea loanee was a problem for us, wasn't he? Yeah, he played very, very well to be to be fair to him. I mean, even before the goals, he was he was sort of getting in and amongst it and really sort of getting in Rice and Suchek and all the other players that went around him's face. I liked his energy. He was mm. really sort of all over the pitch and stuff. And yeah, fair play to, to Dan. That's why we got him on board um, to mm. obviously provide this sort of analysis and uh, fair play to another West Ham fan. I know listens to this that constantly told me we should sign him as well. Um, and so, yeah, they got it right. He he, he was definitely man of the match. Uh, frustrating that he's a Chelsea player as well. And he's had that effect. But um, yeah, just just did really, really well. But I think, I think we could have defended the goals better, to be honest with you. Well, interestingly, it was a game that had a number of fans calling for Fabianski and Dawson to be replaced now. Do you agree with that? Uh, I think with Dawson, yes. I think if you've just spent 30, nearly 30 million on a centre back, um, as we have, um, who's a French international Champions League winner, etc., etc., then you don't need, and you know, the team have, as I've always said, don't change a winning team. Firstly, it's not a winning team because we drew. And second of all, that there's been constant errors at the back. And there was another one that Dawson, um, you know, did a weak back pass or the back pass was cut out or, um, or across. I can't remember what it was, but Benteke broke down. So there was other instances. So I think you bring Zuma in. Um, I'm, I'm pretty certain on that one. And you play him alongside of Bonner. And I, I'm a bit torn on the keeper situation, but as I've said, I've been arguing for the last year or now, also now, and eventually everyone catches up with me. Joke, I know it sounds big-headed, <laughs> catches up and agrees <laughs> with, with my thought process, but he he's he hasn't been on his game for a while now, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, if 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 Ariola's been performing in training, then I would bring him in as well. And I like the fact that, obviously, Ariola and Zuma. Um, are both French international colleagues. So you're bringing in two new players, which could unsettle things a bit, but you're actually bringing in two players that know each other and have played together. And obviously the keeper and the centre-back have got to have a good communication and understanding. Well, hopefully those two have already got a little bit of one from previous um, clubs, so international um, performances. So uh, I think, yes, I probably would. I probably would bring the two of them in, yeah. I'm surprised that you were torn on a keeper, actually. I thought you'd be more convinced over that than Dawson. Yeah, the thing is, I don't want to get too carried away because if you basically drop Fabianski now, then Ariola um, performs and continues to perform, you're effectively ending Fabianski's West Ham career. And I think, so there's a part of me that thinks it's a little bit harsh, but I do think now, as I was going on about last season, you know, we've played three games, two goals conceded against Newcastle, um, one against Leicester with 10 men and two against Palace again. So we're constantly shipping goals and and whilst you could argue that he couldn't have done much about the goals, the first one, I think I think he could have done better. I think it was mm. probably more more so Dawson's fault, but the two of them could have done better. You yeah. know, his positioning wasn't great, his body movement wasn't great, he got a hand to it, but you know, not strong enough to stop it going in. The second goal, probably a bit difficult to save, but I read a stat, I think. I can't remember if it was before the game or after the game, but I think he's made one save all season so far. Really? Yeah, now obviously, obviously you have to have shots on goals to save, so that's technically not his fault, but there have been shots on goals because there have been goals. You know, he was definitely could have done better at the Newcastle game, I think. I can't even remember Leicester's goal, and I have, certainly haven't watched it back. Um, I don't remember. He could have done better on it, but still, I think we've got, 
he's at the end of his career anyway. He's 35, 36. Ariola's at his peak for, for a keeper. You know, French international, I think... Yeah, I think after the international break, um, as far as I'm aware, Ariola has not been called up to the international squad, so you can really work with him over these next couple of weeks. I think I probably would do that, Shuffle, uh, freshen it up a bit and bring those to him. Mm, I think you're right. I think if you do replace Fabianski, you are potentially ending his career at West Ham because Ariola is probably going to come in and, and if he's as good as everyone says he is, be consistent and be of real value to West Ham. But... I think you're going to end the chances of Ariola signing for West Ham long-term if you don't. Because yeah. at some point he has to come in because effectively we've got both keepers for one season. Yeah. I, I can't see West Ham renewing Fab's contract. I might be wrong, but I can't see it. So he's going to go anyway. So Ariola has to come in and play games because he has to be made to feel valued. He has to be made to feel special. He has to be made to feel that he's got a future at West Ham and he's wanted. And he can only do it at that by playing games consistently. So he has to come in at some point because if he finishes the season only playing seven games, he'll look at other options elsewhere and he'll yeah. probably sign for a top club. Yeah. So we really have to bring him in now, I think. I really do believe that. I think it's a no-brainer. And same with Zuma as well. Looking at the game yesterday, I think, yeah, Craig didn't have his finest hour. Gallagher was a problem. He was a handful. And he, he's young, he's energetic, and coming up against someone like Dawson, I think his agility really showed for that second goal. Um, I think he gave him too much space. And when he nicked a yard on him, he couldn't get it back. And he showed vulnerability there. And I think Zuma's got to come in because at the end of the day, he's tried and tested, he's fit, and he knows the league. He's, he's, he's good to go. He's a ready-made replacement. So, for me, it's a no-brainer. I think it's a fair shout. I think both players have to come in now. Well, I think as well, obviously, we're going to the Southampton game. So, if you take it from a fan's perspective, if you're um, on the way to the game or whatever, and you hear that those two have came in, I think you get that automatic buzz a bit, don't you? you yes. Think? Yeah. You see the two new players here. Um, and, and and I think that will give the fans, not that we need a lift, because obviously, we're seeing what's second in the league. I think so. So we need a lift, but you know, like games to go, just give that little boost. And we've got to look to beat Southampton. You know, if we're going to have the season that we had last year, or heaven forbid, an even better season, Southampton away is a game that we need to be looking to win. So you got to you got to play your best players. And long term, let's be honest, uh, uh, Zuma he's up there with the highest paid players in the club, if not the highest paid player um i'll come to this in my section um he's our what our third highest signing behind alaire and anderson um and mm. he's a french international champions league winner fa cup winner league winner twice you yeah. know you don't you no disrespect to dawson who's been a great signing for us and i'm really pleased that we have him in the squad considering we need squad depth and we picked him up for about two two and a half to three million overall i think we got a bit of a bargain there but no disrespect um dawson career is being relegated at Watford and, and West Brom and things like that. Zuma's career is winning Champions Leagues and playing for France and stuff. So you've got to say that Zuma is the better player. So mm. Zuma, Zuma does have to come in, definitely. And also the concern you've got about the centre-backs is that um, Ogbonna's what 33, 34 Dawson's 30, 31 they're, they're both not the paciest of centre-backs and you know pace is such an attribute now of the modern day winger and forward that your centre-backs have to have a fair amount of it to be able to cope and I think Zuma does have that as well as um, many other attributes that he could bring so so yeah I think he's definitely going to come in and I think I think the players are beginning to get a little bit suspect about Fabianski as well. Whilst that's not being confirmed and said to me, you kind of suspect those things. Um, just from looking at the body language and stuff, I think, I just don't think he's had a great game for a long time. I couldn't tell you the last time I've came away from a game and and thought, oh, do you know what? We Thank God Fabianski was on his game today. I couldn't tell you the last time that happened. And I think, you know, keeper is such a vital position, obviously. Um, and so you've got to have a top keeper. We've got a top keeper who was at Fulham's, I know he got relegated, but to be player of the year in a relegated team is actually a big statement because, mm. because that means you've had so many shots to deal with because in a relegated team, you've not, if you're the best player and you're the goalkeeper, you've obviously saved loads. Yeah. Um, so, 
so I think I think we've got to give him a shot. He's played for Real Madrid as well, and Paris Saint Germain. You know, you couldn't get two bigger clubs and the French national team. Yeah, so, yeah. So I think I think it's yeah. I think both needs to come in. Yeah, I think we've got to bring him in straight away, and I think we've got to wrap him up in cotton wool, make him feel special, and really start to build a future around him, or at least get in his mindset that yeah. if he plays well and he plays to his potential, because I think he's not been a journeyman so far, but I think he's he's struggled to find a place and make it his home so far in his career. If we kind of put that message to him that that place is with, with West Ham, then we could have a great keeper for years to come. And it's nice to have signed him when he isn't 32, 33. It's like you said, technically he's at his peak. Um, with Zuma, we've all seen him play. We all know him. We've all formed an opinion. We all know how we feel about him now being a West Ham player. Through your connections with Chelsea... What do they say about him? Have you had that conversation well, with any of them? Yeah, well, it's really interesting. I tried to get someone to come on the podcast, um, uh, not, not on the well, either the podcast or on the Patreon, um, just to give a Chelsea perspective, because obviously I do still do a little bit of work with, with Chelsea, and I, I wanted to get an opinion from them, because obviously there's people that have watched him over and over again, and my source... <clears throat> who is a quite a well-known source, shall we say. You would know him if I said him. Um, just didn't want to come on because he didn't want to sort of be linked to the fact that he's obviously where I get some of my Chelsea news from. But he did say to me, he's a very strong player, especially in a back four, you know, where he where he, more so than, you know, either a three at the back or a back five. Um, he's very good in the air. Um, a great tackler. Um, he's not as bad on the pool as people say. He, he says that, you know, a lot of criticisms from like um, pundits and stuff was that he's not very good on the ball. And that's why Chelsea want to sell him because they want to start playing, you know, or passing from the back football. Um, but the guy says he's not that bad. You know, these people get the wrong impression of him. Um, he's just perhaps not great with like quick one touch passing, you know, your tick attacker. But that's not what I want from my centre back. West Ham aren't in the position for that sort of thing. And Ogbonna's not like that. Neither's Dawson. We don't have a need for that. Clubs like Man City, um, Chelsea maybe, where you're looking to be the, the ultimate football team, may want centre-backs that are just as good at passing as your, your midfielders say. But for West Ham and for the way we set up, I just want a centre-back that defends, gets throws their body on the line, wins the ball in the air, puts tackles in, has pace, has strength, and he has all of those attributes for me do that and then give the ball to players in midfield who can do the passing and the dribbling and so just each person should do your job I think I think the problem with modern football in my opinion is that you, we, we're they're over complicating things now some people you know look at um, our goal against Leicester that came from their their sense about mucking around with it in, in his own area and stuff mm. and you know sometimes you know, you've got all these different positions now that we're never technically positions before all these different roles all this different analysis you know pay, players just passing it around constantly rather than going forward you know, in the olden days obviously you had long ball but the main thing in the olden days was you had four defenders they defended four midfielders they sort of did a bit of defending and mainly creating and getting the ball at the other end of the pitch they had two strikers that was to work together and score the goals that's it job done and I think for a centre back you need a centre back that's good in the air that can tackle and is strong and a bit of maybe some pace and he's got all of those attributes so for me he's a very good signing I also like the fact that he's got Premier League experience you know like we looked at Milenkovic and yes he has looked good in Italy and he's looked good for his national team, but he's not proven it in the Premier League. And this is the this is the problem. You know, the Premier League is such a different league to other leagues. You know, Sebastian Allaire had all the credentials, um, Anderson, all the credentials to do well in England when you based it upon their previous career. But when you actually look at their physique, their mentality, their characteristics, they weren't right for the Premier League. Whereas we know that Zuma is. He spent the large majority of his career um, here. He's played for Stoke, you know, he's played for Everton, he's played for Chelsea say so he's got a wide range of experience and he's yet still played for 
the Chelsea are Champions League. You know, he's played for France at the top level. So for me, this is a very, very good signing. And finally, he's also very good in the dressing room. Apparently, mm. he's, a, he's a, a great laugh, got a good sense of humour. You know, the, the players love him. And, and that is what Moyes is looking for. So it links into what he's created at West Ham. He doesn't want any, you know, like show pony or whatever to turn up that's, that thinks that they're bigger than the club. I'm the big boy. I've come from Chelsea. I'm this. I earn all this money. I'm the I'm the main man that's going to disrupt thing. I reckon Moyes has done just as much diligence on um, his personality, his character, as he has his football ability. And for me, he's people call him Divering Dave, but. Divering Dave has got his number one centre back part, uh, target again. And, you know, if you think he divered and got Shafal, he divered and got Bowen, he divered and got um, Suchek and other players. Keep on divering if you're going to bring in the top players <laughs> yeah. because he's got him. The problem is with transfer market, sorry to rant, but is that West Ham fans, well, fan, football fans in general, but particularly West Ham fans, are so impatient about transfers. Mm. Mm. They want all their players. And ideally, yes, you'd have all your players signed up in June so they can do pre-season review but it doesn't work like that as I've kept saying the domino effect of transfers and everything you have to let Chelsea want that money to sign Kunde and you know if they so it played into our hands if we tried to sign him in June we wouldn't have got him so you just have to have a bit of patience with transfers and trust that David Moyes is the right man for us not just in terms of picking the right team, but also buying the right players. And I'm, I'm glad that we've got him in and hopefully a couple more players to come tomorrow as well. Mm, wow. Okay. I think you made some fantastic points there, mate, by the way. When it comes to Kurt, are you covering the roller coaster of emotions behind his actual transfer at West Ham in yeah. your section? Or I will do. Or do it now? I could do it now if you want me to. I don't mind either way. But like he, he started off, so West Ham had a list of targets, you know, and Zuma originally wasn't on that list because he wasn't meant to be available. So, he, you know, we had the likes of Milenkovic, Worrell at Knott's Forest, um, Maximovic, I think um, he was one. Uh, who else was there? So Nat Phillips of Liverpool. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, I haven't written them all down. But who at Coletta Carr, you know, he was the he was the close second choice centre back. Um, so there's been a number of them that we've been interested in. There was a Hungarian guy as well whose name I've forgotten. So Moyes comes up with a list of centre backs. Let's say ten of them. And this this is how transfers work. And I always say, no West Ham fans think I just throw names out there, but this is what we do. It might be different under Rob Newman when he comes in, but what we do at the moment is get a list of targets that we one and then we start to approach them and we start to find out whether they're available or not so we went through them all it looks like it came through that Milenkovic was the main one that they wanted but Milenkovic's agents were obviously trying to tactic here to get him either a massive pump bumper wage deal and themselves a lot of money or get um or get a new contract at Fiorentina. And as it turned out, he got the new contracts at Fiorentina after we turned down paying a lot of money for agent fees. Um, but uh, alongside that, Zuma suddenly became available because Chelsea got managed to sign Lukaku and then really started to turn their attention towards the centre-back, which is Kunde, who's a civilian French international centre-back. Um, and he was their priority. But Chelsea have been very, I hate to praise Chelsea, but they've been great this summer because what they've done is they've sold dead wood and youth players to finance signings. So economically, they've been brilliant. Yes, they've spent 90 million on Lukaku or whatever it was, but they've not actually spent that much money because they've sold into of net because they've sold players anyway so then once they decided that Kunde was the one they went they uh, they wanted they had to look at their centre-back options Rudiger is out of contract um, so he would have gone cheaply and they're offering him a new deal now um, Christiansen's coming out of contract he would have gone cheaply, but they're offering him a new deal. Thiago Silva, you're not going to get any money for him. He's 36, 37. Um, you know, so you go for your centre-back options. And the one that looks the most 
easy to move on to get this guy in was Zuma. So then Moyes becomes aware of it because of that. And then he then jumps up to be your number one target. But they're going in for Zuma and Zuma and his agents are asking for quite high wages. Uh, we don't want to pay that. We've got Milenkovic in the background. So there's a constant sort of back and forth. Right, we, are we going to go for Milenkovic now? So we leave Zuma. Right, we're going to go for Zuma now. Sort of playing it off against each other. And then eventually... There was a change of heart, which patrons will know was exclusively broken to them. The first person to say that we were going to go back in for Zuma was me, and I got a lot of shit for that. People say, oh, X is just guessing. Um, It wasn't that. It was exactly as this is played out, that we were going back and forth. We went back in for Zuma. People said, why bother? Because he's already turned us down. He had, but his options were coming less and less because the manager had said to him, you're not going to play at West Ham. You know, uh, Sorry, you're not going to play at Chelsea we want to move you on we want to get this guy in we don't want you at the club you've got to look to move on now so he realised that his options were less and less other clubs didn't really come in for him either so therefore his wage demands lowered and Moyes turned around and, said, and was saying this is the guy I want and, and this is where David Sullivan does deserve a bit of credit because Moyes said to him he is my number one target I want him and as per usual they identified um, concerns of his knee in the medical I told you all that was going to happen and it happened and that was because he had a ligament injury about five years ago so I think that then also played into our hands a little bit because we were able to haggle and say look we can't offer this much because there's that potential that the knee could go so it played into our hands a bit and they umdenard whether it was the right decision to go through with it it was Moyes' target so he said yeah I want to go through with this player now and Sullivan approved it and now Kurt Zuma is a West Ham player wow wow um, Declan Rice seemed a bit off yesterday. What did you think of his performance? Um, I wouldn't have said it was his greatest performance. Um, I would have said, yeah, probably one of his weaker performances. I mean, he still did quite a few things that wouldn't have been picked up on, you know, unless you're at the game. Like he did a number of cross field balls that were brilliant and, and, and were amazing, but I didn't think it was his best game. Uh, I don't think we need to read too much into that. Obviously, he's got the England squad this week where he's gone off with them. Um, but I don't think we need to look too much into it. It was just not, I wouldn't have said that any player particularly played well on from, and apart from Antonio, <clears throat> maybe for now's. Um, and Ben Rama possibly um, and Bowen, I thought played quite well though. He got subbed off and, but the, but I, I don't think personally, in my opinion, I don't think Suchek's performed at all this season. If I was to single one out, yes, Declan Rice wasn't great yesterday, but I don't think Suchek was. And I don't think mm. Suchek, yes, he scored against Newcastle, but I would have said he was the weakest player against Leicester, possibly, um, alongside Dawson, maybe. Um, and then, yeah, I think, so I think for some reason, Suchek's not been performing. And yes, I think the two of them had a uh, had a poor a poor game, and I'm not writing either of them off. I'm sure they'll come back very strong against Southampton. I mean, Declan was superb against Leicester and second half against Newcastle. But what you also have to bear in mind with him <clears throat> is that he has played a lot of football. You know, he's been playing in the Euros right up to the final game. You know, he had four weeks off. He kept cramping up in the Euros because he played so much football. He cramped up in the was it the less the Newcastle game, I think it was. Um, so I think he just needs a break, but he's off he's off again playing for England, isn't he? So yeah, I just yeah. think he's just almost got <laughs> football overkill and it would almost it's almost a bit annoying that he's been selected for England because I think he could do with the two weeks off, personally. Yeah. I mean, we've said before that when he's rubbing shoulders with other players at England and he's hearing about their wages, he's hearing about their success, what they're going for, how happy they are at their clubs, that coupled with the fact that he does seem to be priced out of the water now and it looks like he's going to stay at West Ham because we just don't want to sell him. Do you think over a period of time, constantly meeting up with these boys in England, that's going to take his toll on the level of respect he has for West Ham and the desire he has to 
stay at West Ham. Uh, yeah, I think it's inevitable because, you know, every England player that's played for West Ham says that happens, doesn't it? I mean, we had Tony Cotty at our events and one of the questions to him at the weekend was, why did you leave West Ham for, mm. for Everton? And he said, well, I just got into the England squad. And I was like hearing about the money some of the players were earning and I was hearing about their sort of attempts to win the league and stuff. And he thought, well, I'm at West Ham and I'm struggling in the lower half of the table. Now, obviously, Deck and hasn't got that problem, but in terms of at the moment, but in terms of wages and in terms of abilities to win things, it is going to have a knock on effect. And, and sadly, unless we can compete, you know, if, if we can compete again this year, you know, let's say, let's say we win the Europa League, I don't think it's unlikely, but let's say if we did, you might be able to start to persuade him. But the, the thing is, as well, the wages are, are so different as well for these players, you know. Um, Jordan Sancho, who is younger than Declan Rice, has joined Manchester United and from from memory, and I may be a bit wrong on this because obviously I'm not a Manchester United ITK or whatever. I think he's on about three hundred thousand a week. Fucking hell! I know something like is that. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. Jesus Christ! So you're gonna think like Declan's gonna look at that and think, my goodness, you know, Callum Hudson Adoy, who's at Chelsea and barely gets off their bench now is on something like 180,000 a week. Yeah, madness. You know, and then he doesn't even get in the England squad anymore or even in the Chelsea team. So, you know, it, it is going to have that effect. And, you know, we, I think back in the day when you were a professional footballer and you were playing for, you know, like Trevor Brookin, for example, when he was playing for England, yet was also playing in the championship for West Ham and Alvin Martin and players like that, the wage differentials were mm. not that great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you were Trevor Brookin and you were looking at the likes of, oh God, no, he was in England team at that time, Kevin Keegan and um, Ray Wilkins and players like that, you probably weren't on that much different to them because mm. football finances were a lot more equal. You know, you didn't have a team like Manchester City that could just go and spend hundreds of millions on players and stuff. All the clubs were re- roughly the same. Look what we, we, we've highlighted on the show before. West Ham signed Phil Parks, a record amount of money, a world record amount of money for a goalkeeper when we're in the, the equivalent of the championship. You know, mm. that, that just wouldn't happen now, would it? You just <laughs> nah. wouldn't get a championship side breaking a world record transfer fee for a goalkeeper or any position now. Um, but it did because finances were so different that, you know, the first £1 million player was Trevor Francis, wasn't it? Joining Knott's Forest, I think. And, you know, like it... it it didn't change that much. But now the difference between a, a, being a player at Manchester City or, or Manchester United or wherever to a player at West Ham is huge. And that's the problem that we've got. And that is the problem that Sky and various other financial inputs to football have, have created, that there is a real divide. You look at those top four teams. So the top four, I'm going to say, is Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool and Chelsea. Right, I'm going to pick those four. Their financial clout is ridiculous compared to other teams. I mean, I know Aston Villa and maybe Arsenal and a few others can that compete there or thereabouts, but the likes of West Ham, Watford, Brentford, um, Newcastle, like Palace, or Southampton, all these teams are just nowhere near it. Mm. And that's mm. the problem we've got. Mm. It is. And, you know, if you're Declan, you're playing for West Ham, you know you're capable of playing for a top four club. So there's a side of you that probably resents the fact that you're being kept when you don't really want to be kept. Let's assume that is the case. And not only that, but you're also on 50 grand a week. I can't see how long you can harbour that resentment for without wanting to take some sort of action. You know, especially when Kurt Zuma has been signed now, and you'll confirm the details of that, for probably comfortably over double what Declan's on. So in his mind, he's been thinking, right, okay, so we've just brought this player in from Chelsea. After everything I've done and you know what I want, you're not prepared to entertain those negotiations. But with Kurt, it's fine. Sign it, seal it, deliver it. It's done. And Tony Cotty said it as well, and he's absolutely spot on. You know, he said that West Ham, I think we've said it ourselves in this podcast, should sit down with Declan, give him a six-year deal, and just ask him what he wants and give it to him. Whatever he wants, give it to him. If it's 150, 175, 200 grand, just give it to him. Because at least then 
Declan has half the dilemma because it's halved in the sense that he know he would no longer have the ambitions to move on and feel undervalued by the club. He would just potentially have the ambitions to move on. At least he would then feel valued by the club and would have the dilemma of leaving a club where he could potentially become a legend and that club have proved financially to him that we are prepared to build a future around him. You know, so I think we're handling the Declan Rice situation terribly. We really are terribly. I know he's the captain. Um, I know he starts week in, week out. I know he's got a great relationship with the fans. Ticking all the boxes that don't really involve the owners. The one thing that involves the owners, and they're not delivering against it. And uh, that's poor for me. That's really poor. Yeah, I mean, the only thing you could say, again, the owners' defence, and don't get me wrong, I don't know, I come a board lover today, but the only thing to make a bit of balance... They said they were going to keep Declan Rice this window, and by pricing him at a hundred million, they've put off every club that's bid in, that would bid for him, and they've kept his wages. Not that I agree with this, because I think it's unfair on Declan, and obviously everyone knows where my loyalties um, lie out of the two of them. But if you think of it from this perspective, they've kept him at the club on a wage of about. Oh no, let's just call it 50,000 maybe. I think it's a bit more than that now. But with bonuses, it goes up to maybe 80, I'm guessing, I'm guessing. So please don't quote me on that. But um, you've kept a player, a world-class player, at the club on that wage for another year. And at the moment... Yes, that's not great, but Declan's the professional that will not let it affect him and will continue to perform at the highest level. And then if you can then get him to sign a more bumper deal in a year's time, two years' time, I'm not sure if you'll be able to, but let's just say hypothetically that you've saved yourself all that money in wages and, you, and you've not gained or lost anything or you've gained a player that you, that on a cheaper wage for that time. Well, financially, it's a great move. So on paper, it's, it's great. You know, we're keeping wages at a respectable level, but then you are, in doing so, damaging a relationship with our best player. Yeah. So, yes, financially, it's great, but for fucking once, stop thinking about the finances yeah. and start thinking logically about how you can build a future around our best player. Because, oh, yeah, you, because I'm not being funny. I know he's professional. I know he's a great lad. But fuck me, at some point, this is going to start affecting him. Oh, yeah, it will. It's going to no, start affecting him. No doubt. And that could be in a month's time. It could be in six months' time. I don't know. And I know you said previously he's a sort of lad that won't, you know, storm in and demand a transfer request or miss training. I tell you what, if he stays on 50 grand a week and he keeps performing for his club and country, I guarantee he will. And I can't blame him for that. I can't no, blame him no, for that. No, and, no. I, and I'm telling you, mate, he might not do it now. He will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that, definitely. He's one I hell think... of a fucking human being if he don't. Because yeah. to be quite honest, mate, the club are mugging him off of his wage. Oh, yeah. And I think he's probably aware of, of that as well. And I think eventually he, it will come to a point where he'll, where he'll have to have to leave. But what, what West Ham have to do in the next year, in my opinion, is show to him that we are a club that's going places. And, you know, if he stays here, we, we, get, we qualify for Europe again, things like that, then hopefully he'll change his mind. But I think it's to be very very difficult to change his mind because like I've said from the day this kid first came on the scene he is going to be a world-class player playing for a world-class team so any he's got to pick you know I wouldn't be surprised if every club in the world if they could afford him would have an interest in him because why mm. would you not you know there's no team you know there might be a, a couple of teams maybe where Declan might struggle to get into the first 11 to start with but there's no team in the world if finances were unlimited that wouldn't at least have him on their bench Oh, you know? and so you know I think he's got a pick of the whole world to play for so eventually he's going to get tempted and, and I agree with what you're saying um, and I know and I, I agree with you I wish we could just get him on a new contract with a, a wage that he's deserving of 100% we, I do and I wish we hadn't fucked around with it um, I'm just saying that there's a there's a slight other side that you could argue in their defence I mean Declan Rice is going to be a West Ham player come this transfer window and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a West Ham player come January so we're going to get another year out of him and if uh, and for me if we get another year of him performing how he's performed before and then that's it then I think we've done well because I think we, we've kept a world class player at a team that isn't world class 
Yeah. And look, if we show him world-class ambitions, that will go a long way. You're, you're spot on. So if you're showing Declan that, okay, you know, you can go to one of these clubs, but we are genuinely rivaling these clubs when it comes to Champions League qualification. We're bringing these players in, etc. You can talk a good game. And of course, players want to play at the highest level. They want to compete for European competitions, domestic trophies. And if we're genuinely showing him that we're working towards that, that will go a long way. But if you work for an up-and-coming, ambitious delivery firm, and they're saying to you, we have got such an incredible statement of intent, we want to be rivaling FedEx, and we are going to take them over within two years, and we want you to be an integral part of the firm, but we'll pay you 50 grand a year. Well, as you're edging towards that, the financials have to match that ambition to keep that person on board, because if someone at FedEx is earning 100 grand a year, then you're going to be tempted if FedEx come knocking for you. And the ironic thing about this, X, is if we dig our heels in on this and eventually Declan does blow up and he does want to go and we do sell him, we'll probably sign someone half as good in his position, but probably pay double what we're paying Declan. I know, I know, you're spot Every week. It's just fucking madness. Just just do the deal. I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, that it would have to be an extre- extremely big deal because you've got to balance out. If he signs a new deal at West Ham, he's potentially signing away, never winning a league title or never playing in the Champions League or whatever. So in order to give someone that financial, almost like incentive or compensation, you're going to have to pay even more perhaps than you would do if you're a club that was competing for those things. But do you know what though? I think if you're Declan, right? Because I understand from the club's perspective, I'm not an idiot, right? I understand from the club's perspective, I'm paying Declan 50 grand now. If I put him on 200 grand a week, why is he still not going to want to move in six mm-hmm. months? So, you know, if he's going to move in six months, I might as well save myself 150 grand a week for the next six months. I, I get that. But, you know, I, I don't know. At the same time, if you're Declan, I would say, put me on 200 grand a week. I'll sign a six-year deal. But if we consecutively fall out of the top six two seasons in a row, then I want the door to be able to be open for me Mm. to move. And I I think that'd be fair because if you're staying because the club are genuinely ambitious enough to challenge and maybe even qualify for the Champions League and you're falling out of the top six consistently, well, then that objective isn't being met. So as a player that wants to play at the highest level, that wants to play in Europe, I think you'd be entitled to say that. And contracts come with all sorts of clauses these days, X, you know that. Mm. I think that would be fair. And I think West Ham fans would be happy enough with that. I think that's fair all round. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, at the end of the day, at the moment, I think we've got other priorities in terms of recruitment and stuff. Let's get that over the line in the next couple of days. And then let's look to maybe getting a new contract for him. And as I'm going to say in my section, there's going to be new contract offers for a couple of other players as well. Interesting. David Moyes criticised the pitch after the game, saying that it's well below Premier League standard and he's been concerned about it since pre-season. What do you make of that? I was surprised. I mean, I didn't notice anything. I mean, I must admit, I wasn't paying particular attention to the pitch, but I didn't notice anything myself. Um, you know, I know the you know the groundsman at West Ham. He's been there since 1997, I think. I think from memory, his first game was when um, the floodlights went out when we played Crystal Palace. You know, wow. so yeah. yeah, so he's been there a long time. He's a nice lad. You know, the ultimate professional would not ever say a, a, a word to me about anything that's happening at the club or a negative word about the club. Ultimate professional. Fair play to him for it. But he's a, a lovely lad that I know. I'm not going to name drop him because I'm not sure he'd want me to. But he's a top top lad. Um, he um, so a bit you know protective of him really because I know how good he is at his job. So I can't say I noticed it. But then if David Moyes is saying it, I don't think David Moyes is the sort of person to make stuff up either. So hopefully they can come to a compromise where whatever the concerns Moyes had could be easily fixed over this period until our next game, because obviously we've got the international window now. The next game is away against um, Southampton, isn't it? So hopefully in that time, we can um, we can get it fixed. Yeah. Strange one, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I didn't notice anything, mate, but then 
I guess from where I'm sat, uh, you're not um, you're not sitting on a, you're not watching it. Um, you know, you're not playing on it, so you don't know for certain. No. I mean, especially on the back of a 4-1 win against Leicester as well. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, the, he, 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 there's no way he would have any reason to lie about it. I'm not saying that he's he's not telling the truth with how he feels, but it, it just seems a strange one. I can't really get my head around it. Yeah. Know. He'd have been better off saying it after the Leicester game because, yeah, just, because yeah. it doesn't look like an excuse. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, it must have been it, whatever was the the case must have been the case with um with uh the Leicester game it was only what five days four days later so I can't imagine it had changed that much so yeah really he should have said it against the against Leicester I mean I I didn't notice what was wrong on the pitch I mm. don't think it made us play any different not that I'm aware of but um if he thinks there's a problem, what he needs to do is sit down with the groundsman and sort out whatever the issue is because mm-hmm. with the technology they've got now, I mean, I know that the, I know that pitches have changed a little bit. By all means, I am not an expert at this by any means. So if there's someone that's more informed than me, then please tell me. But they've started to move pitches to be something like half grass and half um, like... Like, like 4D now. So it's mm. not just pure grass. It's the 4D stuff that you get at like Power League and stuff mixed together. Um, so I think in some ways that I have heard that that has caused some problems with some pitches. Um, but, you know, the Crystal Palace played on the same pitch as we did. It's mm. always, it's very hard. I think when you criticise a pitch or a stadium as affecting your results, when the opposition are playing the exact same conditions. Do you know what I mean? I just, I don't know how you can, how you can justify it, but I don't like to criticize Moyes. So let's move Mm. on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, before the Palace game, we had the West Ham way pre-match event. The first, in over 18 months. How good was it to be back at? Oh, amazing, mate. Amazing. It was a real good atmosphere. You know, I actually felt a little bit nervous before the event because obviously we put a lot of effort into it between us and, you know, we're both perfectionists and we want it to be um, the very best. So before, when you haven't done it for like 18 months and stuff, you kind of feel a little bit out of the loop. I mean, a couple of days before, thank God for Amazon Prime, but you and I had a bit of a panic, didn't you? Because we'd forgot to get like the Prime <laughs> Prizes, the raffles yeah. against the, the wristbands, pretty much everything, because we were so out of practice for it. Thankfully, we managed to get it all together in the end. But yeah, it was it was great to have everyone back. I think there was quite a lot of new faces actually at this one, so it was good. We had a lot of feedback saying how how good it was. So yeah, absolutely loved it. I thought Tony Cotty was a superb guest. I mean, we got a little bit lucky because we'd booked him before we knew about all the the Pi Capital stuff, but obviously. That all came out, and, and it was great to get some further answers, which I've obviously recorded and, and posted on Patreon as well. And I yeah. thought it was inf- informative. Um, yeah, really, really good. Generally speaking, the event was just was just incredible, and and I shared those nerves, X, because it's um it's funny, you know, because after being away for eighteen months, I mean, we must have done close to fifty events now. So I think it's fifty-two, mate. Is it, is it the, really? Ticket, from memory, on the ticket thing that we use it tells me every event we've ever done wow so yeah i think i thought i think i noticed it was 52 the other day right wow that's amazing so we are very experienced at putting these events on but when you stopped doing these events for over a year and a half it felt to me it's like we were putting on our first ever event yeah it's like you said we were forgetting things and you know being paranoid that things were going to work on the day and everything was going smoothly and then to start um the q a the microphone started dropping, which is fucking heart in mouth for me and my uh, sound technician. I mean, he's a neurotic at the best of times. He nearly had a fucking heart attack, Rob. <laughs> fucking hell. And Waldy, as usual, was as helpful as a fucking pair of sunglasses <laughs> to a bloke with one ear. He, just, he immediately just went, where are these fucking microphones from? Toys and us. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Waldy. Yeah, cheers, mate. Great help. Uh, um, three more times for you under the bus. I yeah. <laughs> these microphones are shite. <laughs> I know. I know. Sort them out, Dave. Yeah, I know. And you know what? Like, Waldy was so Waldy on Saturday. Yeah, oh like, God, yeah. When he was going out into the crowd, he just wants to fucking fight every kind of thing. I mean, even, even Tony, Tony at one yeah. point, yeah, even Tony said, Waldy, listen, I know you're a scouser, but just calm yourself down a little bit. <laughs> He's walking around saying, hey, hey, anyone got a decent fucking question? 
Hey, anyone got a decent fucking question? And then someone was winding uh, Waldy up. I think, hey, Harry, there's another fucking prick here. Oh, you've got a prick here. And it's, it's just fucking unbelievable. And then he's just fucking so feisty. But uh, at one point, so, he went, I think he said, he said something like, I'm not as good as impressions as you, but he said something like, these uh, fucking pricks at the back, they keep talking throughout the fucking thing. If they don't like it, they get the fuck out. Like, oh. <laughs> I know. It's untypical. But you know what was really surreal for me as well? And it was funny looking back. He's obviously, we've got Tony Cotty there on stage and people are flooding him with questions and they want to know the ins and outs of pie and really interesting answers. And then randomly, I think it was Sam Wooler, one of our patrons, he'll be listening to this now. Fucking dummy up like a kipper. Eh? Was it Sam? I didn't realise that. I think it was Sam. And fucking <laughs> Waldy went up to him with a mic and Sam said, uh, Tony, I, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Code Red, um, but if not, I, I wanted to know if they could come on stage and tell it. And I, <laughs> fucking, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I mean, firstly, how would how and why would Tony ever have heard the Code Red story? Unless he listens to the podcast like yeah, many well, other players do. Maybe, maybe. So that was it. And with a few other sort of people shouting, oh, come on, Dave, come on, come on, come on stage and tell it. I, I went and told it and I stood next to Tony as I'm telling it. And I just a couple of times I looked at Tony and he's, I don't think he was impressed at all no, from where I was. He didn't look impressed. No, he didn't, he didn't. And I felt like a bit of a prick then because I'm like, well, you know, it's a Q and A with Tony and I'm telling the story about fucking shitting myself. Pain, you know, <laughs> It just seems so randomly bizarre and uh, out of context. And at the end, I just said, oh, when I said, and, and then I shit myself. And then uh, Tony just said a brief pause and said, enjoy your lunch, everyone. And that was yeah. it. <laughs> And then uh, everything carried on as normal. So yeah, it was uh, it was a funny event, a really good. But do you know what? Obviously, uh, when these events start, I tend to go on first and say a few bits and pieces. And um, I, I hadn't planned to say anything. I just sort of spoke from the heart when I said, "How nice is it just to see that normality?" And yeah. football is nothing without the fans, and that event is certainly nothing about the fans. And to see everyone not socially distancing, not wearing a fucking mask, but have a beer in their hand and a smile on their face—that's what being a, the football's about being a football is a escapism for people mm. it's it's your passion it's it's what you enjoy it's what you look forward to you work your bollocks off all week to have a good day out at the football and that's exactly what it was starting with that event and it was just do you know what it was fucking beautiful really and and mm. i love i loved you know seeing everyone as well the old faces the new faces the patrons it was class so it was just so good to be back it really was yeah, it really wasn't. Like I said, it was really good to see some of the people and particularly meet some of the people on Patreon and so that have been so supportive of us and stuff and put a face to to the name and that. And, you know, people really do love these events, as do we, you know, because there's such a good atmosphere at them. And, you know, it, it really was great to have them back. And obviously we've got Alan Devonshire before the Manchester United game, which is... Mm just as big a coop as Tony Cotter, you know, in yeah. terms of their stature at West Ham. And so I think that's going to be an amazing event as well. Um, so, yeah, glad to have them back and glad to have, like, my life back as such. You know, my life in terms of going to football and doing events and things like that so predominantly is that sort of thing. So mm. as I've had it taken away for 18 months as, mm. as, as was huge for, for us. And so now to have it back is 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 amazing and Thank you to all the people that came and made it the event it was and took their time out to sort of come and talk to you and I and stuff and say yeah. positive things about what yeah. we do. So, My yeah, favourite part nice, of the event, that is. Yeah, it's nice because, it, you know, you get lost a little bit sometimes between keyboard warriors and stuff, but you realise actually when you meet people in the flesh, like, well, pretty much everyone, no one's ever said anything to my face, are really, are really on board and good blokes and stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, it was good. Definitely yeah. good. And I'm looking forward to many more this year. Yeah. Well, something else that was good, X, was that the Europa League draw took place on Friday. And I think it's fair to say, We've had a bit of a touch, haven't we? Oh, yeah. I think it couldn't really have been, I'll say, easy. I just don't attempt fate because there's no easy teams, but it could have been a lot worse. As I said to you, on the way to the event, we haven't drawn an Italian team. We haven't drawn a German team. We haven't drawn a Spanish team. We haven't drawn a French team. You know, Are you disappointed about that? We haven't drawn a Portuguese team. Um, in some ways, yes, because... Um, I think, you know, when I think about watching West Ham, I would say I'd love to see, like, if I'd seen West Ham Lazio, I think it would have been amazing. West Ham Celtic or Rangers would have been great. West Ham, um, 
Uh, who's the other Italian team? Napoli. West Ham Napoli would have been good. You know, any of those games would be quality to say I've been to. But what I'm thinking of it is, is that get through this group, right? Which I said to you as well before, even if we finish third, we still go into the conference league. Yeah. So really we'd have to massively fuck up to not still be in Europe going into 2022. So hopefully um, we'll, we'll be in Europe after Christmas. And that's when you start to get the knockout, European games, obviously the home and away legs. And I just think that'll be even more exciting to play those teams in those scenarios rather than a league scenario where effectively, you know, let's say West Ham win the first, I don't know, first four games or whatever. It's not going to happen. But let's just say we do the last away, the last home and away game is almost insignificant because we are pretty much qualified anyway. So I think I am a bit disappointed, but on the whole, as long as we get through, which I think we will, then I'm not that bothered because we'll start to see the bigger teams in the next few rounds. And hopefully with COVID restrictions and stuff, I mean, obviously it's impossible to predict, but hopefully come 2022, there'll be far less restrictions on travel and things like that. So we'll proper be able to enjoy the away days in some of these places. Yeah, absolutely. And to confirm, it's Dynamo, Zagreb, uh, Rapid Vienna and FC Genk, which I believe is is Belgian for wank. Is that right? Oh, is it? I don't really know, mate, to be honest with you. But um, is it? Well, let's hope they are wank then, because that would be quite <laughs> helpful for us to get, to get through. But I mean, you look at those teams, you know, none of them are powerhouses, are they? I mean, nah. I don't even know who you would say are the best team out of those three. Perhaps Dynamo, I guess, maybe. I don't mm. I don't really know, actually. Um, because, I mean, they um, they are you know, a Croatian team. They, they, their fans are meant to be absolute nutters. So, yeah, the way day out there, be careful, those of you that are going to go to it. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think yeah, you've got to look to be better than a Croatian, an Austrian and a Belgian team, definitely, yeah. especially as, like, you know, that Belgian team isn't, you know, Bruges or Anderlecht or one of the, the bigger ones. And, you know, the Austrian one isn't even the bigger team and you know they're not what's his their names the top Austrian team Salzburg they're not them you know there's lots of and even the Croatian team aren't the best Croatian team so you, you've got to you've got to really hope to to be to get through that I mean I'd be very disappointed if we don't yeah well in terms of the West Ham way Premier League predictions competition it's an interesting one this week because I actually got more points than you but you still lead overall by just 31 points. Have you got any comments you want to make, mate? Um, you lost the battle this week, but you're still winning the war. Yeah, I mean, I didn't lose the battle by match, though, did I? It was only about 10 points or something like that. So mm. at the end of the day... I lost w- the battle, but yeah, no, go on, carry on. <laughs> but I went into this week, and I must admit, I looked at those fixtures, and I thought, geez, there's some tricky ones here that I'm not too keen on. I'm not really sure what I'm going to go with here. Annoyingly, I had Leeds 1, uh, Burnley won Leeds Oh, one. so did I. And then I, I changed, changed my it. Mate, I was exactly the same. At last minute, I changed it to 2-1 Leeds. I, was, I changed it to nil-nil. From nil-nil uh, to, to nil-nil. So did I, did, I did still get the draw points, but I didn't get the maximum points because I read, I think in the morning, or I heard it on the radio or something, that the last two games... Can't remember what the stat was now. Might have been nil nil, or it might have been that they lead uh, Bernie and kept uh, leads and kept a clean sheet or something or another. I can't remember, but it was something I heard made me think oh, I'm going to change that. So I changed that one last minute, and I also changed the uh what one was it the newcastle one so i had two all and then i thought no that's that's not likely those teams are both quite shit so i'm gonna put that as one all and i changed that one last minute so in that respect it is annoying um Mm. but uh at the end of the day um, all that matters is who's top of the league and I'm top of the league and I've been top of the league for the last two weeks so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy that at the moment because I actually had a re- I know you're not interested in this game but I actually had a decent fancy league week as well so so I'm uh, yeah in terms of the, the football games I play I'm uh, yeah I'm, I'm not too I'm, I'm not too shabby at the moment so I'll take that it wasn't the greatest week for me so the fact I've come out still on top then I'm, I'm pleased about it <laughs> no fair enough and there's a lot of people that should be pleased, including the top five. And a big shout out to you because, as it stands, from first to fifth is uh, at BOTN League, at 779 Dan, at Terry Lee 11, 
Dave Bushell and Dino G. So uh, good luck, lads. Um, do, you, do you even know where I am? I don't even know where I am. Uh, where are you? Let's have a look. I can probably find out very quickly. I think if I go to our little big four league that we've got going. Um, oh, no, it doesn't say where we are now. I'm not sure. I know that I'm... Um, right, I'm looking at it now. I'm 124th. So I'm guessing, yeah, you're, I mean, if we're talking 30 points, you're, you're going to be there or thereabouts, I think. Mm. I don't know. But it's yeah. early days. I mean, it, you know, yeah. you, you can have a really good week and then you can go up 50, 60 places because it's still three weeks in, you know? Well, if the, the whole, the most important thing is that is the West Ham stuff, really, because yeah, if you get the score right for West Ham, plus you get the, the booking right for West Ham, you know, you get, what is it? Is it 100 points if you get the right score for West Ham? Yeah, so 100 points plus you. If you get the book in, it's a range from about 20 to 50. So let's just say 30. You get 130 points and your opponent gets it wrong for West Ham, then you then 130 points gained on one game. So it can yeah. change hugely each game week. So so yeah, yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna brag too much. It's nice to be in the lead <laughs> um, for another week, but uh, I need to maintain this. I'm not. I felt a bit of a wobble this weekend. I must admit, I felt. I said to you, didn't I? I just can't go above you and then go behind you again straight away. So, so I'm pleased that that didn't happen. So yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, fair play, mate. Fair play. Okay, with transfer deadline day around the corner, let's see what X has to say. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise and behind the scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. A dramatic... Pause. Says something without saying anything at all. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Dude Shoes. Light, comfy, good to go to. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.